Serve can mean a lot of different things. If you're playing tennis, it means something different than what we're talking about this morning. If you were in the military, service means something different than it does on the tennis or pickleball court. But we're looking at this third leg of our uh, purpose as a church body. The connect, to connect people to Christ and to make sure we're connected. To connect people to each other and help others connect to Christ. And to grow, grow in our own personal walk and faith with Christ. To help others through mentoring, discipling, witnessing. To grow in their faith toward others. As well as to connect and grow in their service. To serve, first of all, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we have to start with the connection. To serve one another because we've been called to do that, including those who are not yet believers. Last week, we started this look at serving. And we looked in Luke chapter 10 with the story of the Good Samaritan and then also Jesus at Martha and Mary's house. And we're going to go back there this morning and just trying to figure this thing of service out, to try to sort out all the various questions, all the things that we might wonder about, and all the things that we might get hung up on. You ever have one of those things in trying to follow Christ that the Word just gets to you? I mean, the Word, God's Word, the Bible, but also just a word sometimes. Serve, I think, is one of those. There are just so many different aspects of serving and different things that come to mind. And we generally prefer to be served rather than to be the servant. Or we prefer to serve, we just don't want to be a servant. The problem is you can't do that. To serve is to be a servant. And that holds a lot of us back. Well, I don't mind helping some people out. I just don't want to be their servant. The very first place where I served in ministry under Pastor Dave Ingbrecht, who was here a couple of years ago speaking with us, and he had a phrase, and I've shared with you before, it drove me crazy when I was serving with him. He would just keep reminding me Got to have the heart of a servant. I still to this day don't like that phrase. Because every time he said it to me, it seemed to be at a time when I was anything but feeling any desire to be a servant and certainly did not have the heart of one. And a few years ago in trying to wrestle through some of this and dealing with my own inadequacies in this area and came across the statement that said, if you really want to check and see and test if you have the heart of a servant, how do you react if somebody treats you like you're a servant? Well, I like that statement even less. And yet all of those things are true. We should have the heart of a servant because that's what Jesus had. 
and we're to be like Jesus. We're to follow him, which means we follow him in serving. We have examples of Jesus serving in all kinds of ways. And the most famous and popular one that we talk about is where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Now, it's not popular because we like the thought of washing somebody else's feet. It's just the best known and the most obvious example, and yet serving can be in so many different ways. And last week, let me give you just a quick review. I reminded you that we are created for and called to something more than just knowing the truth. We are called to live out the truth, and we do that by serving. But too often we get hung up on the method and miss the mission. We get hung up on how to serve instead of serving. We have questions about it. I mean, the lawyer in Luke 10 who started this whole process asked Jesus about getting eternal life, and Jesus responded and then told the story about the Good Samaritan. And the lawyer then said, well, who actually is my neighbor? He was trying to justify himself. And then Martha, who was busy in all the preparations, and somebody needed to be. There was a crowd in the house. It was her house, she and Mary, her sister. But Mary was nowhere to be found when it came time to wash the dishes and prepare everything and all the other stuff. And Martha, looking for her, found her sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching, and Martha maybe knowing she shouldn't be bothered by that, but was, and she had the guts anyway to say it. And she went to Jesus and asked him that just bizarre question. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do everything by myself? What she was really doing was, look at me. Please pat me on the back for all the good stuff I've done. But we don't do that every day, do we? Those are questions that matter, just not in that context. And we looked at the example, that the example is you've got to see the need before you can meet the need. And to meet the need, you generally have to cross the road. You have to do what I call a crossover and if you're going to cross over, and if you're going to serve, and if you're going to be a servant, it requires sacrifice. That's the hardest part of serving. It might be sacrifice of time. It might be sacrifice of your comfort, of your schedule, of some stuff, of your plans. And I read you this quote by Albert Schweitzer, who said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know, that the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. But we can't just do the act of the serving without a follow-up. We're going to jump off from this point. The follow-up is making sure that when we serve, we're serving for the right reason, but then we make sure it's not just a duty done, but a relationship built. It's not just fulfilling something, doing a task. It is making sure that a life has been touched and impacted. 
because of our service. So part two. It's time to cross over. I mentioned last week crossing the road. Well, let me expand on that and just call that a crossover. I love the term crossover. Now, I have to admit that whenever I see and hear the word crossover, I immediately think of basketball and a crossover dribble. Those of you that don't know what that is, go home and Google it. Those of you that aren't sure what that means, ask somebody younger. It is to change positions. It's time for us to cross over. Maybe you just need to cross over the sidewalk to talk to a neighbor. Maybe you need to cross over the aisle at church to connect. Or cross over the magic line between the main and the east. Maybe you need to cross over to the other side of town to somebody the Lord's been putting on your heart. Maybe you need to, at school, cross over the cafeteria and sit with one who's by themselves. Maybe you need to cross over in the sanctuary to meet somebody you don't know. Maybe it's time to cross over in the county or the country. Maybe even the ocean. But it's definitely time to cross over in your way of thinking and in living. Because it's time to serve. Time to do a crossover. Now, in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25, there was a lawyer who was trying to trick Jesus. And it's not because he was a lawyer, though since he was a lawyer, he probably couldn't help himself. But he, he was trying to uh, trick Jesus and also he was trying to justify himself, make himself feel better about himself you ever been don't raise your hand but you've been there right and Jesus told that story about serving about the priest and the Levite who crossed over away from the need we've been doing that too long and then the Samaritan crossed over to the need and he helped him. He bound up his wounds. He put him um, on his own animal, brought him to the end, took care of him, gave money to provide for his care, came back and followed up and checked on him. And Jesus asked the question in verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The guy who had asked the question and started the whole process said, the one who showed him mercy. And I, I just picture in my mind how that little encounter went. That he might have stood up boldly and proudly when he asked the first question. And maybe even a little stuck his chest out a little when he asked the second one. So exactly who is my neighbor? But I have a feeling as that story of the Good Samaritan went on. And especially when Jesus asked the question. So who was the neighbor? that he might have started stepping back. And it's not recorded this way, but in my mind, I hear him saying, while looking down, um, I suppose the guy who helped him. <laughs> I 
And Jesus said, you finally got one right. But then he said the most powerful phrase that should echo in our hearts always. Because he then said, so go and do likewise. There's your example. Follow it. It's the example of Christ. Crossing over to the need. Crossing over to help. Crossing over to make a difference. You see, we have to understand the call that we are under. And part of that gets misunderstood in this section of Scripture about Mary and Martha. Luke 10, beginning at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was, did you see the word? Distracted. Any of the rest of you live distracted sometimes? Get down to pray, and all of a sudden you go, I forgot to. Start to read your Bible and go, well, I wonder if... Whatever it might be. It says that she was distracted with much serving. Now, if you're going to get distracted, that's a good way to be distracted. But she still wasn't focusing on the right stuff. So she went up to him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Little martyr syndrome there. Tell her to help me. Now, (laughs) why didn't Martha go to Mary and go, get up and help me? Instead, she does the passive-aggressive thing. I really don't like that. And went to Jesus and said, tell my sister. See, by doing that, she elevated herself, put her sister down. She thought, tell her to help me. Assuming that Jesus was on her side, which he was, just not the way she thought. So then in verse 41, the Lord answered her. I shared this at the men's breakfast yesterday. This is so great. Verse 41. Martha, Martha. Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. Haven't you noticed that whenever somebody does the repeat, I mean, it's kind of like they're they're not patting you on the head, but they are going, all right, Dennis, Dennis. I don't know about you, but I've heard the double a lot because he has to get my attention a lot. Martha, Martha. You are anxious. Yeah. And troubled. Yeah. About many things. Every one of us here, if not right in this moment, sometime in the past couple of days could insert our name right there, couldn't we? Instead of Martha, Martha, your name. (laughs) You're anxious, aren't you? You're distracted, aren't you? You're troubled about a lot of stuff, aren't you? And then he says in verse 42, But one thing is necessary. One thing is best. 
Mary has chosen the good portion or good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. He's saying that what matters first is that relationship with him, and it does. That's the most important. But he's not saying that Martha's serving was unimportant. He's saying that's important, but Mary has chosen the good part. There's more than one part here. Serving is good. We're called to, commanded, created to serve. It's a call that we have on us, but we can't really serve well until we are connected to Christ. Until we already have that relationship. That one comes first. And what I have discovered and keep discovering is the better my relationship with him, the better my relationship with everybody else. Now, we, we reverse that, don't we? Lord, I'd be doing better with you if they weren't so fill in the blank. I'd be at peace if it weren't for... No, you wouldn't. Because peace has nothing to do with all that other stuff. It has to do with the relationship with Christ. Happiness has nothing to do. It, it has to do with the relationship with Christ. Joy comes in that relationship with Christ. We got to start there. Our call is to him. But we have to understand this call to serve is not just a call. It's also a command. We are commanded to serve one another. He said, go and do likewise. I think too often we assume that serving or not serving is up to the whim of our feelings for that day. Yeah, not today, Lord. You know, today I feel it. Have you ever noticed that the stuff that's difficult we rarely feel like? It's called discipline to go ahead and do it. the beauty is when I go ahead and do it against what might be my feelings in that moment my feelings change also because of that relationship see the reality is it's not on a whim of feelings we were created called and commanded to serve in other words we have to remember those words go and do likewise Here's somebody doing it well, go and do the same. The Apostle Paul, in much of his writing, said, if you're not sure what to do, follow me because I'm following Christ. That sounds arrogant, but he wasn't saying he had it all right. In fact, in Romans 7, he said, sometimes the stuff I want to do, I can't do, and the stuff I don't want to do, I keep doing. But he said, follow me because I'm following Jesus. Want to know how to witness? There's your statement. I don't have this all together, but follow me because I'm seeking after him. I'm going to stumble. I got the scars to prove it. I'm going to mess up. Just ask the people closest to me. Just don't ask too many of them. But I'm seeking after him. That's our witness. Go and do likewise. And as you go, do for others as the Samaritan did. See the need and cross over to it, wherever that takes you. See the need 
and meet it to the best of your ability. And if you're not able to, connect to someone else who can. See the need and cross to do as he did. We may not be meeting the same needs. We may not on our way home see somebody wrecked at the side of the road needing physical help, but we may see somebody wrecked emotionally. One of the greatest needs in our culture today is for people to be heard. Go, well, there's all kinds of ways we, we can. Yeah, and there's so many ways we don't get heard or feel like we're heard. We're just lost in the maze. You want to serve somebody? Listen to them. For a few of you, you're like, no, anything but that. Learn their name. Show you care about what they're going through, even if you can't change what they're going through. We should do the same compassionate sacrificial service that the Samaritan did. We should show mercy because he had mercy on him. The scripture tells us mercy doing for someone who may not be able to help you in return. A lot of times our service isn't really service. It's um, paying it forward. Have you ever been in one of those lines or read about those lines where somebody at a drive through place says, hey, I want to pay for the person behind me? And they do it, and then sometimes it creates a chain, and they just keep doing it. I like what Michael Jr. said. He said, the problem is only one person actually sacrificed, and that was the first one. All the rest just paid. They just paid for the one behind them, not for theirs. Sacrifice. Go and do likewise. To do something whether we get thanks or not. You want to check to see if you have the heart of a servant. Serve and then don't get upset if nobody thanks you. Serve and then don't get upset if they don't serve you back. We got to do the crossover. We got to pay attention to and follow the call. And we have to be aware of the need, the needs around us. The need with the Good Samaritan was obvious. The need with Martha was not quite so obvious, was it? There are needs all around us, needs of all kinds, not just physical and material needs, needs to be seen, to be heard, to be prayed for to be included, to be loved, to belong. I saw a video just recently posted of a guy sitting at a picnic table in a public park and they had a sign saying, if you're sad, sit down. And he sat down and put a set of headphones on him and had some nice soothing music playing and then asked him, what's going on? And people kept sitting down. Our service doesn't have to be fancy, but it does need to be service. P. 
people have a need to be loved, to belong. And if we're really going to do this service thing, our need is to serve with compassion and desire. Motivated by love. Love for Jesus and love for others. Sometimes we have to pray to have that love, don't we? Yeah. Lord, have you ever, you know, started to be all gung-ho, I'm going to serve, and then the first one that comes across, you're like, oh, not them. To serve, motivated by love, just because. 13 years ago, I did a funeral. And I wrote this that evening. I did a funeral today. And did a funeral doesn't sound good, but it's a phrase most often used about a pastor leading, speaking, or doing a funeral. It was for a man that I knew fairly well and yet not well at all. My first encounter with him was when the family called because the doctor said you, he probably wouldn't make it through the night. That they should call all the family and a minister if they knew one. I was selected as a minister. They didn't know me, but they knew somebody who knew me who gave them my number. I went to the hospital that night. Met the family and the man, though he wasn't really aware. Prayed with them and him. We talked a lot that night. I returned the next day and he was hanging on and doing slightly better. My wife and I were leaving on vacation that very day. In fact, as I drove to the hospital, the car was already packed. But I asked them to keep me informed, gave him my cell number. He continued to improve and by the time I returned from a week's vacation, he was back in a care facility and that began a four-year relationship. I got to know him and he got to know me and we enjoyed each other's visits, or at least he said he enjoyed my visits. As I got to know him, I also introduced him to a good friend of mine, Jesus Christ. Through time, he learned more about him and eventually made a decision to accept Christ's forgiveness for himself. He had two major surgeries during that time, both of which the doctor said, we're not sure he'll make it through this surgery, but he did. Had another time where we were sure he wasn't going to make it through the weekend, but he did. In fact, in the care facility, he began to be known as the comeback kid, though he wasn't a kid. As his health deteriorated, I kept probing on his relationship with Christ, and he assured me that it was still good. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, sensing that we might not have a lot of time left, I asked him if his relationship was good and up-to-date with Jesus. He responded firmly, yes. He couldn't come back this time. He went to be with Jesus. Today we honored him and had the mix of emotions as we held his funeral. I said at the beginning that I knew him fairly well and yet not well at all. For you see, what I meant was that I knew his final years. As he was mainly confined to bed in a care facility, I didn't know him as a young man when he was active. 
I knew a lot about those years. He had told me I learned a lot more in the past few days from the family. But what really struck me today was that it was not the beginning, but the finish that mattered most. You see, he didn't live for Christ for most of his life. But in the end, he received him as his personal savior. The finish was most important. Now, don't misunderstand me. The start matters. The middle matters a lot. But it's the finish that matters most. I coached cross country for many years. It's distance racing, if you didn't know. And I realize that's a contradiction of terms, distance and racing. The start of the race in cross country is important. The middle of it's really important and counts. But it's only the finish that ever gets recorded and remembered. The papers never published the starting positions. The papers never published their times halfway through. There were no ribbons or medals given for those leading at the midpoint of the race. What was recorded and rewarded was the finish. So how will you finish your life? No matter where you are right now, in serving him, you can still finish well. But it's your choice. So let me ask you again, as I did last week, are you serving Jesus first and foremost? Are you serving others? And if not, what will you do today? going to ask you to stand. And if you're here this morning and just wondering about this whole thing and maybe even that thing about finishing well and you're recognizing that there's some things that are not great and we don't know if we're a quarter of the way through or halfway or maybe we know we're near the end but none of us are guaranteed tomorrow so we never know which is why it's so important to finish well each day. I just wonder maybe if there are some here this morning who would say, yeah, I need to change where I am, what I'm doing, how I'm serving so that I can finish well. If you're in that position, say there's time for an adjustment today. Maybe it's to just start following him. Maybe it's to do what you already know he wants you to do. Maybe it's just a refocus. I'm going to ask you to do the uncomfortable and step out from where you are and just come and stand here in the front. Just acknowledging it's time for a reset. It's time to get in a different position, if you will, so that you can make sure that you finish well in serving him and in serving those he's called you to serve. Just come right out from where you are. Just get somewhere near the front. See, we've been called and literally commanded to serve him and to serve others. Who are you serving? And how are you serving? Jesus, right now, I pray for a just movement of your Holy Spirit 
upon these that have stepped out this morning in particular. And if there are some in this group who the reason they stepped out is it's time for them to start serving you. Give them the courage to confess. And give them the courage to say yes to you. To accept your forgiveness and grace. And Lord, for each one that stepped forward, may you give them the strength needed to serve. To serve you and to serve others, just like you've called and commanded us to do. Lord, we want to finish well. But we got to get started if we haven't. We have to keep going if we've grown weary. We've got to make sure we're serving you and those you've put around us. So Lord, may these that are here, may they especially feel your touch and the pleasure of your embrace this morning. Lord, be with others who this morning, they, they just were able to confirm and acknowledge I'm doing it. I may be struggling with it. I may not always get it right, but I'm doing it. And may they be encouraged and strengthened to keep on keeping on, to just keep taking that next right step. And Lord, there are probably some out here this morning or some that are listening online who know beyond a shadow of a doubt they should have made a move. I pray that your Holy Spirit would pursue them in conviction this week. May we leave here to serve you, which means serve others as well. Thank you for your example, Father. May you guide us in our service. May we be willing to cross over whatever is in front of us to be able to serve as you've called. I pray and plead for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.